Recording from a frigid New York City, this is the All Hoops Podcast. I'm Stephen Inman, sitting alongside Chris Brito as we near the halfway point in the NBA season. Since we last chatted, the Knicks have hit a skid as Kristaps Porzingis admits he's been feeling fatigued. This comes as no surprise since his production has really slowed down lately. Around the NBA, early fan voting results for the 2018 All-Star Game in LA are in, with some intriguing ballot leaders. But first, Chris, how's it going? Hey Steve, obviously happy to be here on the All Hopes Podcast again. Um, I have to say, I am not a fan of wearing six layers, but what I am a fan of is possibly making a bros trip to LA and going to the All-Star Game. Well, as you said, the early polling numbers are in. Um, Greek Freak is leading the way with more than 800,000 votes. Cam Durant is leading the way with the West. Um, for me, some of the early surprises are, you know, Victor Oladipo. He's playing a, like an, a superstar in Indiana. Um, what are some surprises for you right now, uh, Steve? Well, first off, we, we talked about Oladipo a few weeks ago, and I still wasn't buying his start. He obviously has been tremendous for, for Indiana. He's third amongst guards in Eastern Conference voting. You know, obviously Kawhi Leonard, who has missed most of the season, he's up there in the voting. I think that's a little surprising to me. And then, uh... A little love for the Lakers, you know, the hometown team for the All-Star game. Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, uh, both have more votes than Jimmy Butler. It's a new voting process this year, Chris. We, t- we talked about this before the show. Fans now compromise 50% of the vote, not 100. While players and certain media members will make up the other 20, 25% each. Captains and stars will be announced on January 18th on TNT. While the reserves will be voted on by the NBA head coaches. And then uh, I think a few days after that, then they'll reveal the whole what the squads will be and like who will be on whose team. Um, that should be done by January twenty third. The All Star Game is some is uh, in the middle of February. But Chris, to me, none of this matters as much as my main point with the All Star Game, and that's the rosters are just too small. Yeah, every single totally year, every single year, there's always somebody who's being left off, who's an MVP candidate who gets left off an All Star Game. Right. Damian Lillard's been the victim the last couple of years. I don't think it's fair. Twelve guys on a roster is too too small for an All Star game. You look at baseball. You know it's it's you know what thirty four guys on a, on a roster when professional teams have twenty five. Instead, here you have an NBA team with fifteen guys on your roster. You only have twelve for an All Star game. That's ridiculous. That, that is ridiculous, and I think um, it's a disservice to the fans. You know because they 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 want to see more of their All Star all-star players they want to see more of their own players on their favorite teams on these all-star squads and i it's you know these are the people these are this is something the nba should do moving forward and they've obviously been very receptive to changing things to make it more fan friendly um i mean i mean like for instance this year like how they're splitting up the teams that was something of a of a of a way of making the game a little bit more competitive because this way like there adds more drama to it and i think adding and the other thing too like this is a long season the a lot of these players don't really want to play the all-star game anyway i mean i think they want to play but i don't think they want to play big minutes uh, right that's what i'm saying they want to play big minutes and why should they i mean this should be this should be their time off for them to relax. And, and you know, if you add, I'm going to say, I, I would want 14 or 15 guys on an NBA, each each roster. So, you know, a guy like Devin Booker, for example, who's having a very, very good season, he has no chance at an NBA All-Star game because his team's in, in the toilet. 
And, you know, his numbers are pretty similar to a yeah. lot of guys around the league. But if all of a sudden you add three more spots, then all of a sudden he can make this team and you have the whole Phoenix area wanting to watch this game because they want to see how their star player stacks up against the other star players in the NBA. Right, and and it's really not fair to someone like Jimmy Butler, who's actually on a good Minnesota Timberwolves team. He might not even make the cut. Um, so that's not fair. So, so I, I think the All-Star rosters are just too small, and I, I don't really understand why we're trying to make all these other changes without looking at that first. Because it seems like every, every year somebody's getting to be the victim, and I think if they open up this, for one, the players would be, would be happier playing in it because you don't have Kevin Durant or LeBron James playing 35 minutes in an All-Star game. Right. Yeah, the should, 20 minutes. Yeah. And other other teams that have, you know, their players out of the race, uh, have their teams out of the race, are now going to be more receptive to watching the game because they're going to have their players... In the game. Uh, one player we really want to see in this game is Kristaps Porzingis, who, has, as we said earlier, is saying he's very tired right now. The Knicks have hit a big skid. They've lost 6 of 7. They're 18 and 20 on the year now. Porzingis said after the Wizards loss the other day, quote, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm so tired right now. And after the Spurs loss, he said, they were so focused on what I was doing. Wherever I went, there was contact. People were bumping me. Chris... Can Porzingis be a number one option if he's getting fatigued this quickly in the season? We're only in the first week of January. Right. Um, I think there are a lot of things to monitor with the Porzingis situation, right? I think I think the thing we're not talking about is his elbow injury that was cited as a concern early on when it happened because it was, it was something that he could supposedly play through, but apparently... I know he's had his good games since then. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying that it looks like it could be a part of a bigger problem. But let's assume he is healthy, right? I think going into the season there were so there were the expectations for him to perform at a level where he could replace an all-star like Carmelo Anthony were so high. And he was playing so well at, at the start that we were kind of spoiled. You know, as Knicks fans, as NBA fans, like seeing a seven footer do what he, he was doing early on was kind of kind of incredible to watch. And now his numbers have dropped semi drastically, right? He was averaging, you know, around thirty points. I was averaging maybe a little bit, maybe around the twenty I mean, mark. In his last nine games, he's averaging eighteen a game, under thirty seven percent from the field, twenty five percent from three. I, I, you brought it up before the show, which I thought was very interesting. He's just not getting, he's not taking good shots right now. He's not, and that kind of goes along with what you were saying about his quote about the Spurs figuring him out. So, there's no question that when he's under the basket, he'll be the best player under the basket because he's seven foot, he's seven feet tall, and the way he can, you know, handle the ball and the way he can penetrate and like all those good things. Um, I think the looming question here is, is he a franchise caliber player? I mean, we saw some reports out there, you know, at least with the New York Post, um, Mark Berman, he interviewed a, uh, a, a scout who brought up an interesting point that a lot of international players are not raised with the mentality of being the man more. They're more about being part of a team, Right. 
So I think that's what's happening now. It's kind of a rude awakening for Porzingis because he doesn't really know how to navigate to this. And he's also been in two... His professional experience has all been about him being on losing teams. His team at Sevilla in Spain was also pretty bad too. And the Knicks haven't been great in any at any point in this time, except maybe the beginning of the season. So what do you think? Steve, is he is this too early to really be questioning whether he's a franchise guy or not? Or no, I think it... I think it's a legitimate question. I think he's at least a one A kind of guy. Maybe they need another one A with him to support him, and they can play off each other. Uh, before the Knicks' last game, Hornacek, the coach Hornacek suggested that the team may think about getting the ball to Porzingis less to lighten the load on him. And allow him to do other things like get offensive rebounds. His, his rebounding is actually down from last year. Right. And that's... But I think the real question is, what can the Knicks do to take pressure off of him? Obviously, he was playing a lot better when Tim Hardaway was playing. Um, we didn't think the Knicks would miss him that much. But they clearly they miss do. him a tremendous amount. He should be back soon. But what else can the Knicks do to take pressure off of him and get him better shots? Well, you brought up this point early when we were talking before the show that maybe they should rest him after every other game. I'm not. I said they every, should every consider other six resting games. him every like five, six, seven games. You know, if he's feeling fatigued and they're they're on a long trip or they're on a back to back after six, seven games in a row, uh, sit him out for a day. If that makes if that makes him more productive the other six, five, six games, then I think that benefits the Knicks long term. Yeah, and. Frankly, right now, the more immediate concern is figuring out not only about Porzingis, but our, our road woes. Like, we've managed one win. One win in, like, I don't even remember the last time we got a road win before the game against New Orleans. We're 3-13. and How is that possible this far into the season? Well, they've collapsed in the fourth quarter in a lot of these games. I mean, they had a, what, a 15, 16-point lead in New Orleans. All oh, right. And, you know, it winded up being a wide-open Anthony Davis three-point shot for the win that went out. That is the only reason why the Knicks are not 2-14 and 14 on the road right now. So they've right. had enormous troubles with this. And and they had chances with Detroit and the Bulls. And, they've played a lot more yeah. games at home than on the road. So this could they're going to get more opportunities on the road to turn this around. But, Chris, do you see anything that could uh, cause them to turn this around? <laughs> Bring Timmy back. And that's not really up to us, really. That's up to his injury. Frankly, I'm not upset if we don't improve. I mean, improve in the in the sense of win totals. Like, if we improve as a team, we play great, but we we lose, then I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not, I'm not disappointed if we don't make the playoffs. I'm not disappointed if we don't make the playoffs. But right now, they're in no man's land. Like we looked at it before, if the yeah. season ended today. They missed the playoffs. And they had the 13th pick in this loaded That's draft. Double whammy. That is no man's land. You do not want to be in the middle of the pack in in uh, the NBA. You either want to be the worst or the best. So to be where they're at now is not great, especially with Porzingis struggling the way he is. Yeah. I, I don't know what else they can do. I don't think bringing in more talent, you know, in terms of trading away draft picks is the answer. I don't think, I don't know if selling off talent is the answer yet either. So they're kind of in no man's land right now, and we're going to have to just wait and see which way they go. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about, you know, health and, like, Porzingis' injury and Timmy coming back from his injury, but two teams who are approaching full strength or actually are now at full strength now that uh, Stephen Curry is back for the Warriors and now Isaiah Thomas is back 
um, for the Cavs. And let me tell you, their their comebacks, comeback games, at least for Stephen Curry, have been fantastic. And Isaiah Thomas, he's only come back for one game out of the two of the two recent ones the Cavs played. He's been great too. He's been what he scored seventeen points and three assists. Off the bench in like what twenty two minutes? I think it was like twenty two minutes. Uh, the question I have now is: Are yeah. the Cavs and Warriors about to separate themselves from the from their respective conferences? I think for sure the Warriors are. They were they look like the best team in the West without Curry. Now you're adding an MVP guy back. I think it's a no brainer. They're they're about to run away and hide. The the Cavs are actually four and a half games behind the Celtics in the Eastern Conference. I don't think they really care about finishing with the number one seed, but I think they are the best team now with Isaiah Thomas back in that Eastern Conference. And I think these two teams, once again, are you know predictably on a crash course for Cavs-Warriors 4 in the finals. Yeah, and you know what? Um, the Cavs look great as even before Isaiah came into the picture. I mean, they weren't the most imposing team yet. I mean, they lost against the Warriors and they lost against... Um, Boston, as we just said, but like LeBron James is on another level. But, Chris. He's but on right, another he's level. he's have for me my MVP of this year is LeBron James. I would agree. I mean, he's having his best scoring year since 2010, which is his first stint with the Cavs. Maybe James Harden comes number two. You could argue for him too. But um, look, I have to say the Cavs with Isaiah, I think, gives them another edge. I think Isaiah Thomas should actually come from the bench. Should play off the bench. I think that's where he could be even more effective. But you finished the game with Isaiah Thomas, obviously. I don't know if I agree with that, Chris. I think I think they put a little too much on LeBron as it is. And a regular season, that frankly, just doesn't really matter to Cleveland. So, But why do they put so much on LeBron? It's because he doesn't have enough support. For but now they bench. have Isaiah. But now you have Isaiah Thomas. I don't think they have enough support for when he's in the game. That's my issue. Well, you know, like Kevin Love doesn't get his own shots. Like... Tristan Thompson doesn't get his own shots. Well, Tristan Thompson's on the bench. Okay, that's fair. Kevin Love. Like, I mean, you. I mean, I, I think Isaiah Thomas LeBron, can make his own shots. I just think that LeBron James like doesn't need another playmaker on the floor. I don't think it hurts. I think it, it right. relieves it a little hurt. pressure, especially for a team that's going to need to learn how those two guys play together going into April, May, June. Look, I'm not. I'm not saying that what I'm saying will happen. I just think. The crux of the Cavaliers of of, of years past when they've lost against the, Caval- the the Warriors has always been about their bench. I think that's why they brought in Dwayne Wade, though. I mean, you bring in Dwayne Wade to su- to, to to supplement some production that you've lost with people you've you've traded, yeah. But I think Isaiah Thomas I... Isaiah Thomas like really brings another element that that if... could could compete with the Warriors. If the Cavs are going to compete with the Warriors, they need Isaiah Thomas and LeBron James not only to be playing on their best games, but to be playing on their best games together. And I think for every game they can get where they can get 25-30 minutes together, I think will help them for May and June. So I would not try to separate them now. Because again, this is pretty much just a really, really long training camp for Cleveland. They're just waiting. Like It sure. doesn't matter. So to just experiment with lineups and try out who is LeBron think, play best with, I, I just, that's the answer. But I also think you're reading into too much about starting lineup. Like, 
how many start how many people that you start a game with do you actually end with? I'm not I, I would mean, guess four I'm, of the five at least or five I'm, of the five. Most teams that start finish with the same guys more or less, unless there's a hot hand somewhere where they're switching it up. But for the most part, teams that start the game I mean even the they're war- starting their best lineup. But like even the Warriors don't do that. And that's the best team in the NBA. Who do they who the do Warriors they, start? they don't they don't end with they don't start Iguodala, but they end with him. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm just saying, like, I think... The st- the but start- those guys the- have been around together for years now. You know, this is a new team. They've been trying like, to figure this fine. out. But fine, like, even the Knicks don't even finish the same story. Don't, I, mean, the Knicks, I mean, that's not the best example, no. but... That's because but Cam I'm, doesn't but play I'm giving, I'm giving you two spectrums here. Yeah. Like, I'm just saying that let's not read into too much about starting lineups. Like, right. it's, it's really, like, just the players that you feel... Are you're comfortable starting with? Then, you're, then you're, why you're Isaiah reliable. on the bench? The reason why I advocate for Isaiah on the bench is because, um, like LeBron will do his damage with with the start with whoever he is out on the on the floor with. Like, I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned what happens when LeBron is off the floor. So I'm not saying Le- I'm not saying Isaiah Thomas won't share any minutes with LeBron. I'm sure I'm sure he'll get a lot of minutes with him. I'm just saying that you supplement LeBron's greatness, whatever he does already, with his minutes, with what Isaiah does. You push that onto the second unit with Dwayne Wade and and company. I mean, that's that's fair enough. I I, I get what you're saying. I I don't agree with it because I I just think those guys just need to get into a certain role and get accustomed to it because, again, they're 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 training for literally. A seven-game stretch, and that's the finals. Or, or you could say a fourteen-game stretch if you want to say the Eastern Conference Finals. But like, Boston. but like, even as you just said, it's a marathon. The whole. But like, season, it's not it's a, though, because because these games don't matter to them. How many games fine, are the fine, Cavs fine. actually like? You know what? We gotta win this one. You know, probably none of them. They don't Christmas win. Day maybe with the Warriors, maybe opening night. I and don't they know. Lost that one. And they lost that one. So <laughs> it doesn't matter, you know, because at the end of the day. Unless somebody gets hurt, they're going to be playing deep into May and probably into June. No matter what happens now. So just to get those guys ready in those roles is all that matters for them. I think they'll be ready no matter what happens in June. So, <laughs> so, so, so like, then let's, let's move on to a team that we're not sure if they'll be playing in June, but the way they're playing right now, they very well could be. The Oklahoma City Thunder. They're, we we might have panicked a little too early on them. But uh, they're 14 and five since December 1st. Uh, the entire media was basically saying it's time for them to you know move on. Paul George should be traded. Uh, did was Westbrook regret signing his 200 million dollar extension? And uh, again, 14 and five since December 1st. And Chris, what has been the difference for this team? Well, I think everyone is finally getting into their like knowing their roles. I know a lot of them in the media have said. We defer to Russell, but it, it's one thing saying it, and it's another thing seeing it on the floor. I mean, it's clearly not true. Um, I have to. I think the biggest adjustments here have been really um, primarily Paul George and also um, Melo. So, for example, Melo Melo has really solidified himself as a catch and shoot uh, scorer, like. I maybe last night in the game against um, thir- Thursday night against the game against um, the Clippers, he chose his spots very well. 
like when he when he clearly had the advantage in the post. I could maybe he had four or five down the post, and I think that shows awareness of what his role is now. Um, once Russell Westbrook has the ball, he is the man. Like he will initiate whatever offense he wants to initiate, and he'll pass the ball to Paul George. Paul George, to me, has also like picked his spots. He's improving in, in picking his spots on the floor during the game. He's leading. Whenever Russell's not on the floor, he's clearly the alpha there. Um, I think it's a, a, a lot of things, especially that that these two new additions, these two all-star caliber players are, are finally like molding with this Dunder team because they realize what, what they have. Of course, I think they're gaining confidence. And I'm going to bring you back to uh, my favorite quote so far of this NBA season, which is Westbrook on what is going on with Paul George. He's a free agent soon. He said, quote, the sales pitch to keep Paul George is when we win a championship. Beat that pitch. I mean, that's it right there. You They're can't. confident. You can't beat that pitch. They are Just fired ask up. Kevin Durant. Ask Kevin Durant. Yeah, there you go. And you brought up Carmelo Anthony, you know, learning to be a spot-up shooter, captain-shoot guy. It's his best three-point shooting season in four years. So, clearly, they're they're getting better. And... Yeah, while the big three's numbers, well, in terms of George and Carmelo, their numbers are down. They are picking their spot, and they are excelling in certain areas, which is resulting in wins. And that's really all you need to know there, and they're going to keep moving up. Uh, that's about going to do it for us. Chris, any final thoughts before we wrap up the show? Well, I'm interested to see, I'm interested to see what the, the Ball brothers do in Lithuania. They're making their debut um, next week. So we'll be keeping our eyes on that. What anything with you, Steve? Um, so James Harden, we mentioned him before. He's out two weeks or at least two weeks with a hamstring strain. When he when Paul was out, Harden really lifted the Rockets, and now it's CP3's turn to do the same. I think he'll get it done, and this Rocket team is is rolling on all cylinders. Um, what do you think this hamstring injury? Because you know a lot of hamstring injuries happen because of you know. You know, physical exhaustion sometimes. Um, do you think it's because he played so many minutes? I mean, there's no way to know. Obviously, that uh, they have relied on him an incredible amount. So what they should do is they should just wait for him to get right. If that takes a month instead of two weeks, so be it. They're another team. Doesn't really matter right now. It matters <laughs> April and May. As Steve said, this is only the training camp. This is, this is a long training camp. We're having a lot of fun talking about this long training camp, but that's going to do it for us. I thank Chris, and I thank all of you for listening in. It means a lot to us, and uh, we have a lot to get to in the next couple of weeks, and we're very excited to share it with you. Yeah, guys. Um, thank you again for joining us, and we'll catch you later um, next week. See ya.